Welcome to the FCC Podcast. Hear all the stories, worship, and teaching from Sunday service. Want to connect with us or learn more about FCC? Visit us at FCCETown.com. So for the next several weeks, we're going to be asking that question. What's on your mind? So let me, let me start right there. How are you doing today? How, 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 you, how are you doing really? How are you feeling emotionally, mentally, spiritually? Because I mean, let, let, let's kind of face what we've all been through over the last couple of years. Right now, we're, we're all over the place. Okay, there's a, a, a set of statistics um, that were taken and the same questions were asked of people like three years ago before global pandemic took place, and at that point, there were less than 20% of, uh, of, of those who took the survey who said that they had any kind of issue with, with mental health issues. And yet, a couple of years later, on the other side of a global pandemic, and well over 30% said, yes, I'm dealing with mental health issues. And my guess is that if they were even more honest those who were asked that question, that the number would actually be even higher than that. And when you combine that with what we have experienced uh, and have felt very close to home over the last month or so with what took place in Nashville a few weeks ago and what happened just earlier last week in Louisville that impacted not only that community but this community, and stuff like that, the, the impact is beyond disturbing. And, and so it, it felt appropriate for us to take some time and talk about this stuff and have some conversation about um, how we're doing, and how we would answer the question, what's on your mind? Some of you would answer that question and say, well, given all of that, um, I'm sad. Or you might say, no, I'm, I'm on the other end of the spectrum. I'm mad. And then there's some of us that we kind of take it all in and we, we hear thing after thing after thing and we, our response would be, I'm, I'm scared. Or we, we would maybe, some of us in the room, have the age-old response of, I'm fine. But we're going to get to all those. I'm mad. I'm scared. I'm fine. But today, we're going to talk about I'm sad. And when I say that, before we even jump into any of it, I, I just wanna, I wanna be really clear about something uh, as we're going through this for the next few weeks. Uh, this is a safe place, okay? This is a safe place uh, for you to kinda deal with some stuff. And this is a place where it is okay to not be okay. Because within this room, uh, whether we would all say I'm fine or not, the reality is every one of us has a mess going on. Now your mess may be different than my mess, and your mess may be different than the person down the row and what their mess looks like, but we are all messes to some degree. And uh, what we have right here are fellow strugglers. Fellow strugglers who are finding or who are searching for help, and healing and freedom. But I wanna be really clear with something right up front that every single week, I'm going to take us to the one that many of us in this room know can help, and that's Jesus. 
And we're going to always get to Jesus. And so I don't want to kind of pull away from that. But let me, let me start off today with a little controversy, because if we're gonna talk about mental health issues, then by all means, let's talk about controversy. Um, let me start with this controversy. I'm a music person, I love music. Uh, I, I can give you all kinds of reasons for why I love music and how that has shown up in my life over the years, and I like all kinds of, all different kinds of music. I don't like every genre of music, but I like a whole bunch of them, and across a great many timelines and many generations. But having said all of that, and maybe that's you too, um, when it comes to musical artists, like who is the goat to you? Like who is the greatest of all time? Who has done it the best? And you would probably have some different answers. Because there's some of us in here who would say, okay, here it is, this is the answer. You wanna know who the goat is, it's Elvis. I mean, the guy was known as the king. End of story, right? And then some of you would say, no, 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 no. No, no, not Elvis, it's the Beatles. The Beatles, that's, there's the goat right there. That's all you need to know. And then there's some who would say, yeah, maybe once upon a time, but um, Michael Jackson eclipsed, eclipsed all of that, okay? Just telling you for generations, for albums, for number ones, he's the guy. But then has anyone had a voice like Whitney? I mean, come on. We're talking just the national anthem at the Super Bowl. Do you need to know anything else other than that? And maybe you would argue that maybe she doesn't have the voice, but um, in terms of most albums sold, how about Taylor Swift, okay? There's people paying hundreds and hundreds of dollars just to sit in the third tier of a stadium to see her concerts right now. I mean, come on, greatest of all time. And she's made such a cultural impact. Well, if you wanna talk about cultural impact, I mean, how about these guys? This is Nirvana from 90, 91. I mean, come on, this is, the whole landscape of music changed because of these guys. And then there's some of you who are sitting here going, man, you young people, you don't even understand what the greatest of all time is. Because it's Sinatra, man, it's Blue Eyes. So he's the guy. And on and on and on we could go. So let me solve it for you, okay? Here's the goat. The goat is a guy named David. He's from Israel, and he was king. And the reason that I'm saying that David is the goat is not some clever biblical idea. David has song lyrics that have been quoted and sung for thousands of years. There's not a single person that was on that screen that qualifies. In fact, today, we have sung the lyrics that David wrote thousands of years ago. And David had a collection of some of his songs and some of his lyrics, and it's, it's a book of the Bible that's right in the middle. If you kind of let your Bible open, if you've got a physical Bible right to the middle, it'll probably open to the book of Psalms, and that's a collection of David's songs. And, and as David wrote, David wrote from kind of what was going on in his life, and he wrote from his struggles, and he wrote from his victories, and, and he wrote from his failures and his pains and his brokenness. And he wrote from his joy. And through all the words that he wrote, God clearly and very tenderly speaks to us about some of the mental health struggles that we go through or are going through. And in 
the book of Psalms, um, David wrote a lot about sadness, about our topic today, about depression, about grief. And I, I wanna be real clear the, the depth that we're talking about because we all feel sad at times. We all feel down at times. You know, rainy days and Mondays always get me down. That's, that's a real thing. But this is about more than just like a cloudy day in your life. This is stuff that there is just a cloud that constantly covers your life. In Psalm 88, David actually gave definition to this idea of depression. He, he described it this way, that it is a dark, deep pit of hopelessness. And people who are experiencing depression can feel extreme sadness and and they can suffer from poor concentration and sleep problems and, and a loss of appetite. And people in a depression mode, they can feel overwhelmed with guilt and shame and helplessness. You may have known what that feels like at some point in your life, or you may know how that feels right now. Or you may know as you hear that description of somebody in your life who's, that's, that's where they're at. And I, I want to emphasize, before we go diving into David's lyrics, that there is help for us here, okay? I want to emphasize the importance of counseling and the importance of, of medical assistance and group therapy sessions. I mean, these are all good things. There's no shame to be found in that. In fact, um, being humble enough to seek help is gonna put you on a pathway that's towards freedom. But I also know that when it comes to depression and it comes to extreme sadness and grief, there is a spiritual component to that. Whether you are a deep believer and a constant churchgoer or not, there is a spiritual component to all of this. And for that, there's really only one place to turn for help. That's why David wrote in Psalm 121, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Earlier this week, uh, I drove through the mountains with my daughter, and it was... Uh, we were fortunate enough to be hitting this incredible spot right as the, the sun was setting, and we both just watched out the windshield in awe of the colors and of the layers of the mountains. You know, those way, the ways you could see it where it's just, there's a mountain there, but beyond that, there's another one, and beyond that, there's another one. And you're just kind of surrounded to the point that you take in the enormity of it all and the majesty of it all and the strength of it all and the fact that that strength was created by our God. I saw that. David did too. But still, he got real and he got honest with his own struggles, with depression, with sadness, with grief, like the stuff that he wrote in Psalm 60, he said this, have compassion on me, Lord, for I am weak. Heal me, Lord, for my bones are in agony. I am sick at heart. How long, O Lord, until you restore me? I am worn out from sobbing. All night I flood my bed with weeping. 
I, I don't know if you've had those moments where you, you just kind of recognize that your pillow is damp from the tears you've been crying. I'm telling you that David gets raw with these lyrics that he writes. But David's showing us that it is more than okay to be real with God and to tell God what's really going on in here and what, what's really spinning around up here and that God can take that. Not only can God take it, God wants that. He wants you to talk with him. He wants to help you. So David throws this out in Psalm 13. He says, oh Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? Turn and answer me, O Lord my God. Restore the light to my eyes or I will die. Okay, that's desperation from David. He's saying, God, I need you. And it turns out that that's actually a pretty great place to be. To, to be so in tune with how messy life has become and how down you are that you cry out in desperation to God. And David gets there. That's just a sampling of some of the lyrics that David wrote about these feelings that he had. And he does it a lot and, and, and he's pretty constant in, in the Psalms that he writes about who he is and where he's messed up and how he's feeling and how situations have brought him down and how negative life has become. And really what you'll find in the Psalms is something that, that we do too and it's just a lot of negative self-talk. I, I don't know if you do that. I don't know if you kind of tend to remind yourself of all the negative things going on in your life or the negative things that you think about yourself. I, I have... Um, been a bit notorious for doing this uh, on a tennis court, of all places. Uh, I can hit a ball long, or I can hit a ball in the net and lose the point, but if it's like the third or fourth or fifth one of those that's happened in a row, then I start getting very vocal with my negative self-talk. And if you're ever at Freeman Lake and you hear my name being screamed, it's me. Okay, just know that, because that's my thing. I'll just kind of shout, start, all over the court. And people love to hear that. It's really encouraging to them. One of the other words that I'll throw out there is idiot. I don't know why, but it's what comes to my mind when I do something over and over again that's the wrong thing, and I'll just yell, idiot. John McEnroe used to scream on a tennis court, and it seemed like every time that he would scream, he got better. I am not John McEnroe. And so what I have found is that when I do that and when I get that bent out of shape and I start screaming, I've learned this, I haven't fixed it, but I've learned it, that when that happens, I don't play better. I get worse. And the truth is, I actually believe what I'm saying. I may laugh it off later, but I start to think about how bad I am and how I continue to do the same wrong thing over and over and over again. And that negative self-talk doesn't do anything good for me. Same thing happens in our life. Psychologists call it ruminating. 
It's when that negative self-talk just keeps going and it doesn't stop. And it's kind of like negative meditation in your mind that you create this narrative in your mind and it's a narrative of lies. But you start to say it in your head over and over again enough that the lies to you become truthful. And so you begin to ruminate on, on lies like, God doesn't care about me. Or you know what, God's not even good. And it doesn't matter if God's good because I'm not worth anything anyway and he wouldn't care about me if he was good. Or no one else really understands me. Or I'm broken. Or I'm useless. Or I'm pathetic. Or I'm weak or everyone's against me, or I can't trust anybody, or things are just never, ever going to get better. And as you ruminate on that non-truth over and over and over again, hope gets lost. And so it's, it's really great that David in the Psalms spends time sharing with us how he really feels and sharing with us that negative self-talk that, that is part of the, the Psalms. But here's the key. He doesn't stay there. He doesn't let the tape keep playing over and over again about the negative stuff of his life. In fact, if you look all the way through the Psalms, there's actually a pattern that happens in all of the Psalms, and the pattern basically breaks down like this. I'm gonna get vulnerable with the truth about me, and then I'm gonna let the truth about God heal me. See, we can't simply put a Band-Aid on depression and then Forget about it and assume that eventually on its own, it's just gonna fix itself. It doesn't work that way. But what we can do is consistently apply the truth of God's character to it and find hope and peace and joy and healing that will rise up and overwhelm the lies. Now, you may wanna jot these down. I'm just kinda of giving you fair warning or take some screenshots of what we're getting ready to put up on the screens because I, I want you to see how David does this. And, and I, what I really want you to think about is to start downloading these songs into your own personal playlist that's running around in your mind. That you would memorize these words, that you would ruminate on these words. Maybe it's taking out a card and, and writing these verses out to have with you all the time. And, and maybe you would start to actually pray these lyrics from David's songs in your time with God. That you would start your time with God a lot like David does and get really real with God about how you're feeling and what's going on and spend the negative talk and all that kind of stuff. And then... Read the lyrics as part of your prayer so that you're reminded just how awesome God is. For instance, when anxiety is overwhelming and it's, it's taking you into a dark place, you can pray this truth that comes from Psalm 27. You, you can have down for yourself, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? 
Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. You can pray those words. You you pray the words that David wrote in, in Psalm 43 where he said, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God and I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Maybe you have that feeling like everybody's against you and everyone's out to get you. And so you have these words kind of ready in the waiting in Psalm 56. It says, oh God, have mercy on me for people are hounding me. My foes attack me all day long. I am constantly hounded by those who slander me and, and, and many are boldly attacking me. And, and, and David didn't have this, but it might be that that's even happening to you on Twitter or it's happening to you in a Snapchat that you just, these are real words. But when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. And I praise God for what he has promised. I trust in God. So why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? Or when your foundation is feeling shaken in your life. You can pray through the words of the opening of Psalm 46. It says, God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. And so we will not fear when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. Be still and know that I am God. And David just let those words, those lyrics that he wrote just kind of flood his mind. He would ruminate on those truths and he would let those words and those realities propel him out of that negative self-talk that he had going on. And it took him to a place of healthy remembrance and worship. And, and when he would ruminate on those truths, it would pull him up, lift him up out of his funk. Now, David's number one hit, okay, the one that was on top of the charts and has been forever, is the 23rd Psalm. It is a psalm that has brought comfort to countless people through the ages. And what I want to do with the time that we have left is I just very quickly want to run through the lyrics of what David wrote, and hopefully those lyrics will bring comfort to you too. And remember, these are the words of King David. But there was a time when he was a shepherd. And it's from that that David writes this. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. The Lord is my shepherd. And because that's who he is to me, I lack nothing. The world wants to convince me that I am lacking. And the world wants to convince me that I am less than. And the enemy wants me to internalize those lies and to constantly feel like I am lacking something and constantly feel like I am less than what I should be. But the truth is, my shepherd is my constant provider and protector. David writes, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Now, we read those words, and I don't know if it comes to your mind, it comes to my mind that there's, um, 
especially in where we live. We're, we're in this time, spring's coming, and grass is greener than it's been, thank goodness, or at least in our yard. The clover's back. We're really happy about that. It's giving a greenness that we're happy with. It, it's weeds, but we're good. Um, but you've had those experiences, maybe when you're a kid, maybe still now, where you just go and sit in the grass, and the grass is soft. It's not at my house, again, but there's places like that. In our neighborhood, it's my neighbor's house. My neighbor has a great yard. My dogs, when I open the, d- the door and my dogs run out, my dogs go out my door and they take a left and go and lay in my neighbor's yard. It's very heartwarming to me that that happens. That's what we think of when we read these words. But it's not how it really is. See, in Israel and Palestine, where David's writing these words, it's, it's a very different place. It's a, a rocky place. It's a very barren place. And every once in a while, you'll come across a patch of blades of grass where it has grown. Maybe water has come off of a rock after a rain and it's just allowed there to be enough moisture for a little patch of grass to grow up. And it's not enough to roll around in and it's not enough for those sheep to gorge themselves on, but it's enough. And the sheep don't have to get all stressed out about finding that patch of grass because that's what the shepherd's for. And the shepherd will help them find that patch of grass that's enough for that day. And then tomorrow, he's going to help them find another patch of grass that's enough for that day. God is our shepherd. And as our shepherd, he never promised us some lush life of luxury. But he promised us that we will have enough. Enough. For that day. And he'll lead us there. Sometimes, though, the, the, the sadness comes crashing in in waves. And I mean, it comes from all sides, and, and it keeps crashing down on us, and it just is one after another, and moment, and situation, and circumstance after another, and it just pounds on us to the point that we just can't even seem to come up for air, and it gets chaotic, and we get all been out of shape and torn apart. And so David, in this song, he says, he leads me beside quiet waters and he refreshes my soul. And if we'll let him, God will actually lead us away from the crashing waves and the chaos of all of that and he will take us to a place of peace and to a place where deep, deep, in our souls, we can be refreshed. He writes that he guides me along right paths for his name's sake. Now, sadness and depression and grief, they want to take us down some winding, dark, and desperate and desolate roads. But the Holy Spirit in us is calling out in those moments and saying, ho, 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 no, 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 don't go that way. Come over here. Come walk over here by me. And he leads me to better paths and true paths and right paths and healthy ways of thinking 
See, grief in particular wants to say, look, no, just stuff down your feelings, okay? Just pretend like they're not even there because they're never actually gonna go away. So you might as well just isolate yourself and isolate those feelings and don't let anybody in on it. Don't share it with anybody. Certainly don't share those feelings with God because God doesn't care about you and he doesn't care about the fact that you're hurting that way. If he did, he would have already taken care of you. And all of those are lies that seek to steal, kill, and destroy in your life. And in those moments, when the waves are crashing down like that, if you'll let him, God will lead you beside. And he will take you to the right directions and the right paths towards some true thoughts to put in your head. And David sings, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. I wonder, I've often wondered about that lyric that David wrote, and whether, as he wrote that lyric, he was thinking about the Valley of Elah. The Valley of Elah is the the place where uh, David went toe-to-toe with Goliath, the giant, the, the warrior from the Philistines. I mean, Goliath was huge. He was so huge that not only the mountainsides, but Goliath himself would have cast a shadow over top of David. And Goliath stood there in all of his armor and his giant sword. And David was a scrawny teenager. Stood out there with a sling and a stone. And he stood straight because God was with him. And there are valleys that feel really dark. And David wants to remind us that just like God was there when Goliath stood over him, God will be with you too. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, David writes. There's just something very healing about eating a meal with people that you love and people that you love hanging out with. Because when that happens, there's stories that get told and laughter that's shared. I, I find it interesting that we live in a, in a part of the world where part of our tradition, and I think this is probably a tradition in other parts of the world too, that at the end of a funeral time, okay, when there's been days and days of grief over loss, that we end that by having a meal together, by hanging out together and telling stories together and laughing together and crying together. Because even in the presence of enemies like anger and disillusionment and depression and grief, God prepares a meal so that you can say, I'm here and I'm eating and I'm remembering and I'm laughing and I'm crying and I am healing with people that God has put in my life. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows just kind of digging into this and doing a little research. It's interesting. David, uh, the the word that he uses, the Hebrew word for anoint, um, is a Hebrew word that can also, uh, is the root word for fertilize. So in a real way, David's kind of saying, God, please fertilize my mind. Okay, help me, help me think better. You pour true things and right things and noble things and lovely things and healthy things 
into my mind so that I can think in a healthier way. And then he ends with this. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And if there's one part of this song from David that is the thing that, that, that we've got to have always, the back of our mind, the, the dwelling in our heart is this idea that God's got us, and that this right here is truth. That Jesus came to give us eternal life, and because of him, grief and sadness and depression and darkness and even death don't get to have the last word with us. All the way through the Psalms, David, with all the negative talk and all the desperation, continually returned to truth and let truth overwhelm the lies. Lean into truth. Because there is a father who loves you. A good shepherd who wants to lead you to green pastures and beside quiet waters and restore your soul. Now, I, I can't tell you what your next step ought to be. But there's a number of different things. You may need to call a hotline, even today, and get some immediate help. Or, or maybe it's making a phone call and scheduling an appointment with a mental health professional. And again, I just I want to drive home the fact that there is no shame in any of these things. There's no judgment. But depression solutions aren't a one-size-fits-all kind of thing. And so maybe a step that that you need to take is that you need to acknowledge that no matter what medicine you take and no matter what exercises you're doing or, or processes you're going through or people that you surround yourself with, at the end of the day, it's God and God alone who can bring you through this battle with depression. On our app, on the First Christian app and also on our website, we've created a landing page with a lot of resources for you. There's a lot of books. In fact, every week with the different topic that we'll come to, there's a different set of books that we're gonna put on there that I found helpful. And, and there's different sermon series that we've done in the past that you could link to as well, but we've also put on there a, a list of uh, mental health professionals that we have great confidence in locally. And, that list of resources and tools is there for you. And we would hope that you would take advantage of that. But maybe the next step for you is to take these songs that we've been talking about and add them to the playlist that's going to be playing in your mind. And to do that, it means that you're going to spend some time with them and you're, you're, going, to, you're going to read these verses or you're going to write these verses down and have them with you as much as you can. Maybe you're going to memorize some of those and let those words start to remove the clouds that are over you right now. But the truth is this. You are not alone. And you are not hopeless and you're not worthless and you're not helpless. He is for you. And he is with you. 
You have a father, a good shepherd, who loves you. And who wants to restore your soul. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, God, we we thank you for knowing us and knowing our ins and outs and knowing who we've become and knowing how we think, what we say, where we turn to for help that's not you, and, and yet your love for us never ceases. And you continue to pull for us and you continue to cheer us on and you continue to be there for us. And God, you've been there for us to such a degree that you would die for us and you have. But God, we would just ask that you would help us to lean into your truth. Because there are plenty of lies that are going on in the world right now. And there are plenty of lies that are spinning in our own heads. Lies about ourselves. Lies about circumstances and situations that we are being reminded of over and over and over again and we're ruminating on those lies and it's pulling us down and some of us find ourselves in depression and sadness and grief. And the only way out and the only way to overcome is with your help and with your truth. God, would you help us to lean into your truth, to not leave here and think, well, that was nice and maybe I'll, I'll, I'll do that someday. May that day be today. And if there are decisions that need to be made to to get some help, God, would you just give whoever those folks are the courage to make those choices today? And we thank you so much for Jesus, for his sacrifice of love and mercy, his forgiveness and his grace. But we know also that he has felt what we feel. And he knows what this is like. And he comes alongside us and calls us towards his path and takes us away from the crashing waves. God, we thank you for Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.